Welcome to Blog and May Blog from DougWills.com. This audio is brought to you by Canon Press. Before we get started, I wanted to draw your attention to a book from Douglas Wilson Empires of Dirt Secularism, Radical Islam, and the Mere Christendom Alternative. American exceptionalism, the belief that America is more than a nation, is folly. Radical Islam is obviously wrong as well, but Muslims at least own the nature of the current cultural conflict. You must follow somebody, whether it's Allah, the state, or Jesus Christ. This important and timely book is an analysis of the changing face of religion and politics and also an extended argument for Christian expression of faith in Jesus Christ. This does not mean a withdrawal from politics to our own communities and churches. Instead, we Christians must take what we have learned from the wreck of secularism and build a new Christendom of the new foundation, a network of nations bound together by a formal, public, civic acknowledgement of the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the fundamental truth of the Apostles' Creed. Given the political circus that we find ourselves in, this book is a breath of fresh air. Get it at canonpress.com. Continent-wide sumo wrestling contest, May 25th, 2020. Introduction. As most of you know by now, just the other day, President Trump said that churches, synagogues, and mosques needed to be opened up ipso pronto. This was said with a true populist instinct because thousands of churches were gearing up to open up anyhow, regardless of what their governors were saying. Trump's comments simply served to make everything a little more festive and to give us all an opportunity for yet another civics lesson. That's what you were all yearning for, wasn't it? Another civics lesson? Quote, I call on governors to allow our churches and places of worship to open right now. These are places that hold our society together and keep our people united. The people are demanding to go to church and synagogue and to their mosque. Close quote. Okay, that was reasonable and very welcome. But then there was this. Quote, The governors need to do the right thing and allow these very important essential places of faith to open right now, for this weekend. If they don't do it, I will override the governors. Close quote. Override the governors? But states are not provinces or federal administrative districts, and governors are not satraps. Executive orders are not imperial decrees. We need to back up for a hot minute. Some background on that good old Tenth Amendment. Quote, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. U.S. Constitution, Tenth Amendment, Dead Letter Division. Let's unpack this, shall we? I will here be discussing what the Tenth Amendment actually says and actually requires, and not what a conjuries of demented court decisions have twisted it into. Our Constitution is an enumerated powers document. The federal government only has lawful power when and where the Constitution expressly delegates that power to the United States. So, this amendment says, if a power is not plainly given to the central government or expressly denied to the states, then those powers are, quote-unquote, reserved to the states respectively or to the people. Now, how does this not set up a potential catfight between the respective states and the people in those states? Which powers are reserved to the states and which powers are reserved to the people? But instead of regarding this as an invitation for the states and the people to fight it out among themselves, 
We need to remember that the states were sovereign states coming into a federal union, and these states were already performing the functions of government. The people of those states also had certain God-given rights, which they were fond of exercising, and were very aware of. In the sovereign states that first formed the federal government, there was a state-people balance worked out already. So, what the Tenth Amendment was saying was this. If the Constitution does not grant a power to the central government, like the power of making treaties with foreign nations, or if the Constitution does not prohibit an activity to the states, like minting their own money, then everything remained as it had been worked out before. The Constitution, except for certain specified areas, was preserving the status quo ante, which is to say the previous arrangement. So, for those who understand how the American system was designed to work, this arrangement excludes creative shoehorning of centralized do-goodery into the general welfare clause, and it certainly does not find a right to privacy and abortion emanating from various constitutional penumbra. And, to cut to the chase, this means that the governors did not have the power to do what they did, and the president does not have the power to countermand them. The check on this gubernatorial overreach must come from below and not from above. Ack, Romans 13. In the meantime, Trump's proclamation puts various Romans 13ers into a bind. There have been numerous Christians who have been urging churches to obey the governors, no matter how inconsistent or demented their proclamations, because, Romans 13, and they hasten to add, let us have none of your constitutional casuistry and logic chopping about whether the gubernatorial orders are lawful or not or legal or whatever. You heard what the governor said, just do it, be a good testimony. Well, you guys heard what the president said, back to church. But if you lockdown lovers get to question the constitutionality of what the president just did, and you would have a good case, then we lockdown haters get to question the constitutionality of what our governors have been doing. The right to challenge our leaders is one of the rights that our people have had for centuries, a right that antedates the Tenth Amendment, and it is a right that is recognized and protected by that amendment. We have procedures for this. We have liberties that we may exercise in times like these. But a constitutional check on these unwarranted lockdown orders needs to come from thousands of churches and businesses just opening, and not from an authoritative voice from the top decreeing it. If Trump were to encourage the people not to listen to their local authoritarians, that would be fine. If he were to serve as a cheerleader in the bully pulpit, that would be fine too. But him talking this way, while good politics, is not fine. Nested Absurdities What all this means is that the governors didn't have the right to declare these lockdowns in the first place, and the president doesn't have the right to reverse them. As much fun as it might be for us to watch the liberals oscillate between a deep commitment to federalism and states' rights, on the one hand, and a strong centralized government on the other, depending entirely on what Trump tweeted this morning, we have to be careful not to be our own conservative version of that. More is required to sustain limited government than just, quote-unquote, owning the libs. We need to remember that governmental powers are like guns. They can be pointed in any direction. For example, those conservatives who vote for surveillance powers that will be vested in a hardworking and noble and diligent president from a Tom Clancy novel because, quote, we must combat the clear and present danger, will actually find that they have given all those powers to someone like Hillary, which means that what they are doing is refusing to protect us from the clear and present danger. If the president can just countermand the blue state governors when he feels like it, what is to prevent the next president from countermanding the red state governors when he feels like it? The only illegal countermandering that I feel comfortable with 
would be things like executive orders that reverse previous executive orders. Take out your pen and sign as many nevermines as you like. But when new holes are being punched in the hull of an already sinking constitutional republic, I cannot say that I'm any kind of a fan. But with that said, on the merits. Now, on the merits of whether churches and other places of worship should be allowed to open, the answer should be obvious, of course. But because our constitutional order is largely in shambles, and not one person in a hundred knows anything about basic civics, and because our population is deeply polarized, everything we try to do is turned into one giant continent-wide sumo wrestling contest. And in that kind of contest, the only real issue is strength. But in a healthy republic, a healthy measure is one that is sound on the merits and which honors the established processes. I am not here appealing to the civility argument. This is a civics argument. The rule of law is a way of instantiating the golden rule into rough-and-tumble politics. Do as you would be done by is the standard formulation. Consider this a variation on the theme. Build a government that you wouldn't mind living under if your enemies won the election. But the golden rule means that turnabout is fair play. It means that when your team wins the election, there are certain things you can't do. And you can't do them, even if they are wonderful ideas constructed entirely out of pure thoughts. And on this one, I'm not convinced that the president's position is constructed entirely out of pure thoughts. In saying this, I have no doubt that the president really wants churches open. But I also have no doubt that he is positioning himself, shrewdly, for the election in the fall. Think about this for a moment. The American people are beyond chafed at the lockdowns. This blowback against the shutdown was already going to be an issue in the election. But how is it going to work? Just about everybody, excluding the fine governor of South Dakota, was agreeing that the lockdowns were necessary. I mean, President Trump was king of the lockdowns. He presided over the best lockdown in history. He saved countless lives by means of his stupendous, ask anyone, lockdowns. So how is he going to benefit from the electorate's exasperation over lockdowns? Well, allow me to explain. The electorate is pretty savvy when it comes to detecting deep sympathies, whether hidden or not. Let's take an example from the left. Back before Obergefell, what was the position of frontline Democrat politicians on the question of same-sex mirage? I'm talking about people like Hillary and Obama. You remember? It was that hate-filled view that maintained that marriage was a sacred union between a man and a woman. Now, why weren't they devoured by the progressive left for this commitment to traditional marriage? And the answer is a pretty simple one. They were not devoured because absolutely no one believed them. But Governor Cuomo believes in his lockdowns. Governor Whitmer believes in her lockdowns. Governor Newsom believes in his lockdowns. Governor Inslee believes in his lockdowns. And everybody knows that they believe in them. They have prayed sincerely and asked the lockdowns to come into their hearts. And President Trump has signaled by various and sundry means that he doesn't believe in them. He brags about them, certainly. He exults in how much he's been able to achieve through them. He makes a pile of them, sets them on fire, and does a little touchdown dance around them. But when armed protesters show up in the Capitol building in Lansing, he opines that the governor needs to listen to their quote-unquote concerns. When thousands of churches are marshalling themselves, preparing to open in defiance of the lockdown true believers, Trump hitches his wagon to that. I believe that short-term the results may be good, but I also believe that in the post-Trump era, if we want a constitutional republic with limited government committed to the rule of law, we will have to rebuild one. This is not because Trump destroyed it. It was in the main destroyed already. What has happened is that when these things are done from the right, all reasonable people can see it happening. But it has been happening from the left for many decades, and reasonable people have been blind to it and impervious to evidence.
and when your reasonable people are impervious to evidence, things are in a bad way. But in the meantime, coming back to the sumo contest, Trump is currently doing far more damage to the plans of the progressive left than he is to the plans of conservatives. This is because the left actually had a plan, which they were industriously implementing, like a guy on a bicycle flying down a 45-degree hill, and Trump threw a stout stick into their spokes. Trump is not disrupting the plans of conservatives, because conservatives actually had no plan, unless you want to count lose slowly as a plan, which I don't. Thank you.